Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Forza Italian Football Podcast Women's European Championship Special. I'm here with Ewan, of course I am. Ewan, how are you keeping? Hello, I'm all right. I've watched the first game. What what a thriller, may I add. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the first game has just been played. England beat Austria 1-0. We're here. Obviously, we've got that little bit of luxury because Italy don't play until Sunday the 10th. So we've got that little bit of extra time. But the, the competition's up and running. And I, I've got to be honest, I was very much looking forward to it. And... The game today didn't actually take anything away from that. It's still, it's nice that the tournament is happening. The fact that the game today was played at Old Trafford in front of sixty-seven thousand people or whatever it was is is astonishing. And I think it was, was a lot it was a full of sellout, wasn't it? So that that would make it seventy-six thousand. Okay, if, was, if everybody right. Went. I saw sixty-seven <laughs> floating about during the during the match, but I had also seen beforehand that it was a sellout as well. But yeah, it's it's nice that it's here. The the atmosphere around it seems to be like no other women's football tournament I can remember in my lifetime. I remember the 2019 World Cup was was elevated above anything I had seen previously and this is on another level yet again which given the season we've had with the Champions League, I mean every club in the Champions League smashed a record in their respective country. Barcelona did it about three times. So it, it's nice to see that women's football is still riding this wave. And are you as excited for this tournament as I am and so many others seem to be? Yeah, definitely. I think it's sort of actually being here. Um, I mean, I, I'm not in a... I don't think there's, a, there's no games happening in Liverpool, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but... like. You, it doesn't necessarily feel like you really know it's happening unless you are already interested in football. But what I'm more intrigued by is that if England go as far as they're expected to, 
how it's going to snowball because it definitely will. That you know, it started with that ginormous crowd at Old Trafford, which incidentally, if we really want to get into it, is not a very easy stadium to get to for a lot of people. Um, and then you know, there's going to be games that unfortunately at like training grounds at City and stuff. Um, but it all the interest should snowball quite quickly in the way, even in the way that men's tournaments do, where you know it picks up people as it goes along. That should happen tenfold, ideally, with this, because England are very good. The final's already sold out. Like the tournament, <laughs> the tournament kicked off today, and the final at Wembley is sold out. I think that's it's brilliant, and I know it's the, the way tournament go. It's kind of like a raffle for for tickets or whatever it, it, way it's done. But I think already I was writing about this earlier. I think it's more than something like five hundred thousand tickets have been sold for the tournament so far which is just astonishing mm. absolutely amazing stuff but Italy are there Ewan and, and that is of course why we are here to talk about this competition is it, to preview the Azzurri now they're in group D there are four groups and they're in the fourth of those groups and it's not the easiest of groups that could have been drawn in but when there's only 16 teams in the competition that level is a little bit higher across the board they've got Belgium France Iceland and of course themselves in the group. Now they will back themselves to to go through, but Belgium and France in particular are two very very respectable teams. France will be one of the most fancied sides in the tournament, along with Spain. I guess their their injuries haven't helped them in that regard. England mm-hmm. are in that category as well. Germany and probably even Sweden. Are in that group. There's a, a really I competitive think the, group. The Dutch are seen in that light as well, aren't they? There's another one, yeah. There's another one. So Italy aren't in that category, but they're probably in that group just behind that bunch with mm. another couple of teams. So if we look at this, obviously there's a. When we talk about knockout competitions, we're kind of used to talking about there being a group stage, a round of 16, then a quarter final. This goes straight from the groups into the quarter final. What would be a successful tournament for this Italy group just before we start going through the, the squad and, and the rest of the chat? Um, assume me, I think I'm right in saying that the route they've got would result in Sweden or the Dutch most likely in a quarterfinal who are, as we said, sort of seen as up there with the tournament favourites. So I think really if you'd be super realistic, you'd have to say a well-contested quarter-final, even if it ends in defeat, would probably be the most sort of level what you'd accept. It'd be annoying that you can't be against someone so good, but you know, it's something, it's somewhere to build from, and it, it, it certainly couldn't be viewed as a failure. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's about right. If they crash it in the group stages, it's disappointing. If it's a close call, they, they might get away with it, but I think the way the fixtures fall... It's not great, is it? Because they they get things going against France. So the Italy's kickoff times; these are all Central European times. They they kick off on Sunday, July tenth at nine p.m. against France in Rotherham. Then they play on the fourteenth of July at six o'clock against Iceland, and then the last group game is on the eighteenth at nine o'clock again against Belgium, and that one's in Manchester as well as the the Iceland game. They'd probably rather have played Iceland first and then possibly France last, but they might be 
trying to make up lost ground after the first game because France is probably the most difficult game in the group and you don't want that first up, do you? No, well, France are... I've been reading about their coach. Um, it's quite interesting. <laughs> they they seem like a very... Like I said, so they're, they're undoubtedly one of the better teams in the competition. They've got lots of very, very high-level players. Um, but they've basically been at war with each other for years. Oh, France um, have? Yeah, they, they've got no this, way. I won't got this coach. <laughs> French national who, um, team. Who, yeah, I mean, it's just all, it's all <laughs> nice and traditional, isn't it? I mean, obviously, there's there, there was the one element of it that I think we all heard about, which probably won't delve into too much. I don't know what the legal side of it is at the moment, but the mm-hmm. supposed... This isn't just Patreon either, by the way, so... Attacked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, PSG players. Um, there's that. But then there's just general, apparently, the, the coach is seen as a complete dictator, basically. Yeah. Um, she's meant to be really horrible. There's there's a couple of very good players who aren't in the squad because um, she's not picked them, who they're part of the Leon team that absolutely would normally be in the squad based on talent. Um, but the war is such, <laughs> the ongoing war is such that they're not involved. Um, so it seems like a lot of people's assessment of France is they're fantastic, but don't be surprised if, like, they're horrendous, <laughs> or if yeah. you know, if 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 they completely fall apart, and that that's what makes this group quite interesting because the in theory best team could fall away in such a manner that it opens the door for an Italy or an Iceland. So what you're telling me is Italy are going to top the group. Yeah, that's what I'm leading towards. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> right. Well, let's go through the squad, shall we? Because. We've we've both reacted to this squad announcement, as has pretty much everyone who follows Italian women's football. Um, and along the same lines, really, most people seem to react. So, huh? It's a funny one. But the goalkeepers <laughs> kind of picked themselves. There's Giuliani Durante and Scrofenegger, which th- that name is not a pleasant one to to have to spell. Let's be honest. When you're used to writing about Italian football. The defenders, we've got Saragama, Lisa Bartoli, Valentina Bergamaschi, Lisa Boatin. Boatin, I always get that wrong because it just doesn't look like an Italian name <laughs> and it throws me. We've got Lucia Di Guglielmo, Martina Lenzini, Elena Linari and Maria Luisa Filangeri. Kind of all picking themselves. Juventus and Roma, heavy. Obviously, there's the a Milan representative in Bergamaschi and Sassuolo and Filangeri in there as well. Midfield is a little bit more varied, I suppose. We've got Aurora Galli, who plays for Everton. We've got Manuela Giuliano, Valentina Cernoia, Ariana Caruso, Martina Rosucci, and Flaminia Simonetti of Inter. Now, her selection was one of the controversial ones because of who was left out. Giada Greggi of, of Roma obviously didn't make it in. And then up top, we've got Agnese Bonfantini, Barbara Bonansea, Cristiana Girelli, Valentina Giacinti, Daniela Sabatino, and Martina Piemonte. Now, Piemonte is the other one who kind of raised some eyebrows. But less because of her presence, but really because Anna Maria Sartorini hasn't made the squad. Now, we both kind of reacted to this in the same way, which is, you know that emoji with the really wide eyes? That was my actual face when (laughs) I saw this squad, because I, I first saw... Where's where's Greggi? And then I continued and I was like, hang on. Seturini's not in either. Seturini and Greggi, arguably 
two of the most important players for a team who were probably even better than Juventus for much of the second half of the season haven't made it. And I know you can only choose 23, but they had to be two of them. Surely they had to be two of them. Yeah, it's it's mad. In terms of something that... I feel like I've noticed this on Twitter, maybe it's cruel, but something that can make male Italian football fans who don't care about the women's football suddenly get into it and be talking about it, which seems to be the pet case the last couple of weeks, is a nice little scandal that makes it seem like there's a big Juve bias going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the expense of Roma. I've seen a lot of tweets of that nature from people I've not seen talk about the women's game at all before. Because um, that's there's that's an works. insane amount of Juve players, but there's nine. It's not, it's not without merit. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's they've, not they've really like this. five straight good Yeah, well, you could probably make a pretty handy squad just of Juve players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for, for me, Certurini is the one that, in terms of the profile of those in the squad, it I do find it odd. To, to me, she. She's apart from Bonfantini, I say she's a very different player to those that are there. Yeah. Obviously obviously they tend to play with the front three, but it seems to be three what you'd say are number nines, really. Like, you know, Giacinti, Bonsair, Girelli, Sabatino, Piemonti. I I I put them all as a central striker in my head. But she's gonna play with three of them. Um whereas Sertorin is a much more natural wide player. Yeah. And a very different player. You, you, like none of those names I said do you see consistently going up and down a wing and putting crosses in. Obviously, they can all do a highly effective job up front, but it's mm. it's narrow. I think Bonansea, particularly with Italy, more so than with with Juve, likes to hug the touchline that little bit more. So mm. she likes to be that little bit... She has that little bit of trickery, but yeah, I, I, I can't like get that my was head the raw it. pace with her, though. Yeah, well, she's no, not slow, but, but no, over distance. Santorini yeah. is is lightning, and you were right to talk about Bonfantini because Bonfantini is the immediate person that you think of as being the most similar to Santorini in that squad. Now, could you leave Bonfantini out of it? I don't think so, because I think she's too good and too impactful off the bench. We've seen that in the Champions League with Juventus this season and in basically everything she played in. But it's, I don't like picking on individuals who are there. And I really like mm-hmm. Martina Piemonte, but I don't know what she necessarily brings to this group that they wouldn't already have. Whereas mm-hmm. with Sertorini, you're quite obviously missing something. I, I can't get it. In terms of. Changing a game. So say say you're, you're against Iceland, you're expected to win, and it's the 75th minute and it's 0-0 and you can't seem to break them down. If if you then chuck on Piemonte, yes, it's a different player, it's a different striker, but it's not a different type of player. So mm-hmm. Bonfantini is that option, that's a different type of player, but if you can chuck two of them on, two players who will, can run any defence rated, that's... To me, it just gives you more options. I think... Uh, I think there's too much of the same in that part of the squad. You know, they're blessed in the sense that that is a stupid set of forwards. Yeah, it's mad. Also, but, the the defense is also a bit silly. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird because because obviously we know way more about this team than other teams. Mm. Like in in my head, I'm looking at them thinking, well, surely they win the whole thing because I know that one's really good. And then you realise the level that some other people are at. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it looks a bit one-dimensional in that area of the pitch. Um, but not not lacking quality. That's what's weird about it. There's there's loads of quality, but it's just lots of similar quality. <laughs> Daniela Sabatino was the capo cannoniere. She's not going to start. She's not going to start mm. a game. It's going to be Bonanza on the left, Girelli in the centre, and probably Giacinti or possibly Bonfantini on the right. Right. Yeah, I think that. I think the the first three. Mm. Well, no, you didn't say it in that one. Not Bonfantini, basically. I think it'll be Jerry Bon and Chichinti. Yeah. Because, I mean, that that's mad, isn't it? <laughs> it's silly. It's absolutely <laughs> silly. It, it is ridiculous. But speaking of Chichinti, actually, it does look like she's going to go to Roma now. I remember we spoke after the the Coppa Italia final, and I was. I think we were speaking German as well, and I was just saying like, get Benedetto Leon onto the pitch because you've got Sertorini on the right, Leon on the left, Jacinti at Roma playing in the middle of those two. That's a joke. I'm very uncomfortable with that as a prospect. It's, I mean, they're they're going to be stacked in the oh, way you they are God. in that position because they've already got a couple of fantastic forwards anyway in. Um, Perona and Paloma Lazaro mm. um, who have been fantastic particularly in the second half of the season it's, it's not even necessarily an area where you'd say they need to improve but then when you factor in how amazing you they are and the options they've got you do need to improve and I think Jutinzi is the obvious way that she's the most available and high quality striker in the league basically um, and that will be I mean e- even though you say that makes you uncomfortable and obviously you're you're tied to... No, I'm not. I have no ties. More... Yeah, sure. You're, you're tied <laughs> to another team. Um, like, it, it, surely anyone getting, in theory, on paper closer to Juve is good. Mm. And I think her going to Roma, Roma closes that gap more than if she mended her fences at Milan and they tried to be good again. <laughs> you know... You know the way the season that's just finished was probably the worst season Valentino Giacinti has ever and will ever have as a professional footballer. Like it was, it was an absolute mess, right? Mm. the The Serie A Femminile season is just twenty two games long. She still scored ten goals. Like <laughs> that's that's a good return to get into double figures. That's a very good return considering it was a disaster. You cannot overplay how much of a disaster that season was. What was, I mean, I'm not especially nervous off the top of your head, but what was the most she got in one game? Because both Milan and Fiorentina yeah. had this habit of bad results, but then whack someone 7 0. <laughs> I don't have that off the top um, of my head, but I remember us chatting early in the season when Milan spanked someone and she didn't score. Hmm. So yeah. even when she was at Milan, like it wasn't quite her usual self of scoring five in a game and being yeah. angry at not getting the sixth. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I quite hopeful for Italy because I think they have enough to, to do well. What I would say, though, is that I think they'll struggle when it comes to 
perhaps a little bit of physicality, perhaps defending set pieces isn't going to be the easiest thing for them to do. There's not an awful lot of height in there, is there? But that said, Juventus and Roma were defensively excellent and all of the defenders there except for Bergamaschi, who will probably start, are Juventus and Roma. Filangeri is probably not going to play a minute, but I will talk about her a little bit later on as well, to be honest. But I'm aware that a lot of the people who listen to this, Ewan, they've probably only heard us talking in, in passing about Serie A Femenile. They've probably not heard of most of the players that we've mentioned in the squad. So I thought it might be a good idea if we if we each picked a couple and just kind of gave the listeners like something to watch out for, an individual to, to watch out for and, and maybe why. So firstly, have you got a couple of names? And I've got a, a list of names. So if you take your two first, I'll take mine after. Yeah, well, I, I've decided to steer away from the forwards because I think we've talked about them enough anyway. Um, so into the midfield. You better um, not. You better not take. No, don't worry. Okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that dim. <laughs> um, uh, Manuela Giuliano, I think, is okay. just the sort of player that she. You know, you get those midfielders where you can find yourself only watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, midfielders are my favourite type of player. All of the Roma midfielders are that, but yeah. like, they're all that. She she is the conductor of them all. Um, and I think mean, she's a wonderful player just to fixate on during a game. Um, won't do anything too flashy or anything. You know, She's the sort, if you don't look for her, you might not even notice her, but she's doing something fantastic. Um, the other one who might not get a huge... Uh, she does tend to play... Um, is Valentina Chinoya, I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, she sort of fell away a bit towards the end of the season, if memory serves, in terms of, just don't remember picking up as many goals, but mm. in terms of set pieces and just general crossing and shooting from the edge of the box, her, her technique is fantastic. She's... And like a top corner goal is quite a likely thing with her at some point. Chinoya is the best set piece taker in Italy. Now, mm. I... You know when someone's so good at something that you can just say before they do the thing what's going to happen with it? So yeah. my mum and sister came to a match here in, in Parma. It was, I, you know, I can't even remember. Was it Lithuania, maybe, that Italy played? And Yeah, I think, I think you mentioned it the other day, yeah. And yeah. At, early in the game, I said, if she gets a free kick, she'll score. And then my parents were, or my mom and sister were, ah, okay, right, that's like scoring a free kick, something cool that happens in football, right? Even if you don't like football, it's quite. <laughs> it's nice one of the better see. things, isn't it? Yeah. So then they got a free kick at the edge of the box in the second half, and it was one of those we were positioned like right behind it, and I just said, "This is going to be a goal," and obviously it was a goal, and I was just like, <laughs> "But then they were like, how did you know that?" You know the way sometimes it seems like we've got magic yeah, powers, but yeah. we, but it's like. It's just so obvious because she's so good at free kicks. It's a joke. <laughs> and yeah, I, I'd fully support that. I'd, I'd fully support those two picks. Quite a left field one, though, Chernoya, I'll, I'll say. I, I didn't yeah, expect I, I've it. just always enjoyed her more than most other players in the UVA team, really. So, I mean, she's okay. always stood out to me. Well, speaking of players that we enjoy in the Juventus team, <laughs> I, I've got, and thank you, you scared me momentarily, but <laughs> Ariana Caruso, because. There isn't a player like her in Italy. Like, she'll she'll play in midfield, but that's not true. 
That is not an honest depiction of what she's going to do on the pitch because she was Juventus' top scorer in Serie A this season. And I wouldn't be half surprised if she was Italy's top scorer in this Euros, despite how stacked they are in attack, which we've already discussed. Because particularly if, if not Giacinti, sorry, Girelli is the, the chosen one to play in the middle of that front three. Caruso knows how to exploit the space that Giuelli's runs create, and Bonansea knows how to provide her when she makes those runs as well. But she's she's Roman, okay? So you've got that little bit of nastiness to her when, <laughs> when she's not in possession or if she's having to scrap for it. She can be scrappy, but technically she's she's phenomenal. Like Because she's Roman and she started playing football at Francesco Totti's soccer school, She's got that technique. Like she always looked up to Totti. He was her idol growing up. So she's technically excellent. She scores goals. She creates chances. And moving on from that, Agnese Bonfantini is the other one that I want to mention because Caruso knows how to fight Bonfantini's runs. If Caruso has to drop that a little bit deeper and play more of an an orchestrating role, she she's more than capable of doing that as well. And, and Bonfantini is just she's stupid. The first time I saw her in the flesh was in last season's Coppa Italia final. She came off the bench and within 30 seconds, I just thought, oh, you are much more impactful than I thought you were on, on TV because she's <laughs> she's leggy. She, she kind of moves like a horse once she gets up ahead of speed. Like th- there's no one getting near her. We saw it twice in the Champions League this season, both at the Allianz. She scored against Leon when it was Caruso who slipped her through. And Juventus beat Leon 2-1 at home. Leon went on to win the, the tournament outright. And I can't remember who the other one was against. Was it Servette? I don't think it was Wolfsburg and I don't think it was Chelsea. But it was a similar one. She kind of just made her way into the box and finished it. Uh, Bonfantini, she, she mightn't start. But she'll make a difference when she comes off the bench. I've no doubt about it. She's impossible to stop. Brilliant, brilliant player. She just turned 23 as well, didn't she? So mm. she's... I was actually just looking at the ages, trying to work out who was the youngest in the squad. By the way, um, it, it got to be Phil Angeri, right? Yeah, but only just because um, Caruso uh, are both 22. Is Phil Angeri 22? Yeah, but she's... I thought she was uh, she's born in 2000. Okay. Gennaro By the way, <laughs> Ariana Caruso, I'm glad you mentioned that. How is she 22 years old? She's well, that's won... why I was looking at it. I wanted to say that she's the youngest in the squad, but she's not quite. But she's... She's... Right, but she's the youngest in the squad. She's the first ever Juventus player to win 100 matches for the club. She's won five straight titles with that club. Like, at 22, she's She's got the experience of a 30-year-old yeah. and the head of a 30-year-old. She's amazing. An amazing player. Oh, every, everyone knows how much I like Caruso, let's be honest. You more than anybody else as well. So I'm sorry. <laughs> but I've got to mention Phil Angeli because she's not going to play. I'd be surprised if she played a single minute in this competition. But I want to get in early because... With Italian women's football growing, she's going to be one of the 
do we say poster girls? Is that something we say? I know we say poster boy. Yeah, it sounds worse, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, she's um, going to be one of the he- like headliners. the, the headliners yeah. for for this growth of Italian women's <laughs> football because there is there isn't a player like her in men's nor women's football in Italy in that she's one of the best dribblers of a football in Serie A. She's a center back. She's one of the best passers of a football in Serie A. She's one of the most aggressive players you'll ever see. And she spent her whole childhood being told she'd never play football because she was too small. So she's not got a big frame, but she more than makes up for it. And I don't think I've ever seen her lose a header. She's remarkable. <laughs> and she's got that David Luiz-ness to her. With, she's got mm. a big mop of hair, which makes her really easy to spot. And I, that makes her stand out a little bit more as well. But she's great. She's the most enjoyable player that, that I've... She's the player I've enjoyed mo- watching the most. And there's been a few since we've been covering Serie A Minila for, what, 18 months or so now. But she's she's a superstar. I love her. Have you got any of of that kind of shout? Um, I think Lisa Bartin is a fantastic mm. fullback. Like really, really good defender of the year um, as well. Another one of them who, because Juve is so machine like, can sometimes not get enough credit. Um, you could almost level that at everyone in that Juve team, but also in terms of centre halves and big tackles, the top three on the official UEFA list of Saragama, Elena Linari, and Bartoli are their. They are strong defenders, <laughs> and you know, not not in the sense of, uh, but but then they get the ball, and they can't do anything with it. They can still, mm. especially Sally Gomez, she's fantastic with the ball. Oh. But they, you know, they they don't take shit. Them three, they are strong defenders. Oh, we're not patron, are we? <laughs> ah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I think I think that's yeah. one of the okay ones. Um, so they're they're thirty three, twenty eight, and thirty one. So you get what I mean? They're, they're they they are wise defenders who. Mm-hmm. Who's twenty eight? Ah, okay. Wait, we're not talking about Botin. Sorry. Um, no. <laughs> I, sorry. I, she, I was she's only twenty five though. I I, yeah. I would have guessed twenty eight maybe. For she's um. Do you know she hmm. lives with Caruso? They live together. Hmm. It's quite nice. nice. They do videos sometimes. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I follow either of them. On whatever that's on. What I will recommend, actually, do you know what? There's a there's a YouTube video actually. I don't know if you like YouTubers and, and things like that, but there's an Italian YouTuber <laughs> who does like a yeah, I sound like Kevin. That was the right? oldest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> YouTubers. <laughs> well, there's an Italian YouTuber, right, who does like the um, a penalty shootout type thing with Caruso and and Boatin. And then they go back to their house and they they have lunch together and stuff. And it's quite nice. I, I, I'll send you the link if I find it. It's worth Is it a way to learn Italian? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know where Botin's from, but Caruso's isn't easy. She's Roman. She's <laughs> not the easiest. But yeah, why not? It's a, it's a way to practice, a way to exercise yeah. your Italian. Um, so yeah, generally positive vibes about this Italy team. A little bit of confusion about the squad, but... More more positivity than anything else coming into this tournament, I think. And without the expectations of winning it, because they're not going to win it. I think we could say that already, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that would be very mad. Mm. Maybe cool, though, wouldn't it? 
I mean, imagine if oh my s- god suddenly everyone knew of these players. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd be so cool. happy. I would be so happy if they won it. But yeah, it isn't going <laughs> to happen. We should say that. So, <laughs> listeners, watch Italy. You'll have a nice time, but don't expect them to win the competition. Quarterfinals will be very good. Semifinals will be a joke. Mm. If they got to the final, pff, who knows what could happen then? Because they've got those Saragama, basically. Do you know what, as well? When, when I was at the Coppa Italia final, and you were just even when Juve were losing, there were times where I'd just watch her for a bit and think, well, obviously Juventus win everything. Because how could you not if she's in your team? She doesn't allow you to lose. She's a freak, yeah, right. like an absolute She's freak. In, in, yeah. in the best way. Right. Also, to be on the same team as, right? She'd scare you into playing well, type thing. Yeah, yeah that's what like, I mean. Yeah, you, yeah, I'd be terrified of her. Mm. Like, it'd, it'd be useful, but it'd be terrifying. I'd be yeah. quite pleased when I like when when my day with is finished. <laughs> you imagine <laughs> like, keeping a clean a, sheet beside her. her. You'd be you'd be pleased, wouldn't you? Oh god, yeah. Just through fear <laughs> of getting beaten up. <laughs> the only the only person she was scared of was Stascova. <laughs> <laughs> I I reckon Gamma would take Staskova. Uh, I don't know. There's no one. There's no one in Serie A Feminile winning a fight against Sarah Gamma. If it's anyone, it's Filangeri. I, th- I think she'd win it more on attitude rather than physical yeah, strength. Possibly, you know I mean? possibly. But anyway, <laughs> um, that'll do. I think Ewan. Thank you. Um, Lisa we... Martin is from the Veneto, by the way. Oh yeah, so you won't understand it, and she says either. Yeah. Um, she'll just, she'll just curse with every second word. Although I don't think she did in the video. I don't think she did in the video. But the things people from Veneto say are the type of things that get people suspended in Serie A because it's. I, oh, I've, I've forgotten the word again. I, I, I've, I've read books that have made it clear that it's the most right wing part of the country. Yeah, but you know what's odd about it is they are one of the worst regions for the for the blasphemy. And usually mm. those, it, it's really yeah. odd. It's really yeah, odd. That doesn't compute. <laughs> no, not not for me either. But it's it's one of those things. It's one of those things. I said something recently. I'm not going to say it on the podcast because we will be blocked. But I said something recently, and did you blast someone just so yeah? But like. <laughs> The bad one. The, the bad one that you hear every day. But, like, I, I think it's funny. Like, but the bad one for... Did you, I'll tell did you, you mean the go. bad word? Like, the worst word? <laughs> no, like, neither of the words are bad. But when you put them together, they become really bad. For reasons that I uh, still don't understand. Because I'll tell you off air what they are. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway. That'll do it. I don't know if I was going anywhere with that, but I guess not. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back with a couple of pods during the, the course of the tournament, hoping to get a guest on as well for after the France game. So we'll see what happens there. But this is going out on Spotify. So everybody, we are continuing on Patreon throughout the summer. It's patreon.com slash Football. We've done a couple of bonus podcasts already. And unless Italy win the Euros, you're not going to hear us on Spotify again until the beginning of next season with the season preview. So do head over to Patreon and, and join up there. Ewan, thank you very much for your time. I'll speak to you again very soon, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, that was <laughs> bad even for you. Goodbye, everybody. We'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Go!
Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.